Hello, everyone, and welcome to the best little horror house in Philly. I'm your host, George Heffler, and this is the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And our guest today is Matt Taylor. Say hi, Matt. Hi, everyone. Uh, So, Matt, we work together at the Pop Break, um, where we cover movies, TV, that sort of thing. And I know that you like horror, but I'm not super familiar with what sort of horror you're into and what you like about horror. So why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself? Yeah, so it's really, it's it's kind of funny. Um, I was always really into movies from a very young age, but... As a kid, like elementary school and younger, I was terrified of horror movies. It was a sort of intense, it was like so intense that and this is very embarrassing. I can't believe I'm talking about this on a podcast. Whenever I went to the movies as a kid, I would make my parents wait with me in the <laughs> hall of the movie theater until the trailers ended because I was so scared of seeing a trailer for a horror movie. It was just like this intense fear of horror movies yeah but something switched when i was in middle school i guess i probably had braver friends or something (laughs) where i started just going to see horror movies as a social experience and then from there started saying like okay i clearly really like movies and i want to take them more seriously so let me start actually watching them and as I worked through the genres and like the history of horror films, I just kind of fell in love with them. And now I would say one of my favorite genres, probably up there with romantic comedies and 1950s um, yeah. melodramas and everything. Like I just think as a very neurotic person who is typically in um, like existential dread about the state of our country, um, yeah. I think horror. So. Yeah, yeah. I think horror is a really interesting tool to explore deep-rooted fears and everything like that and social issues and yeah um i've just really i've grown to really care about a lot of horror movies and i i had a pretty similar experience actually (laughs) as a kid where when i was uh, but a young man i was on a school trip to washington dc and you know they packed the kids in like four or six to a room so that you guys can save on the hotels and we, we were in the hotel room, and the It miniseries was on, oh, no. and I was very scared of the movie, but I was even more scared of admitting that I was very scared of the movie. <laughs> and uh, and so I watched it, and it was traumatizing, <laughs> and I didn't watch horror for uh, – it was probably another, like, seven or eight years after that. Wow. Um, until uh, until I started watching uh, the Friday the 13th movies and kind of easing my way in with some of these movies that are considered icons and, and classics, you know, your Friday the 13th, your Nightmares on Elm Streets, uh, your Halloweens, <laughs> that sort of thing was kind of my way back into it. So so I, I totally get the, the coming back to it uh, at a later age, which I think it's interesting that people kind of come to horror in their own time. You know, there are people who are into it very early as a kid and there are people who don't get into it until much later like you and i yeah i just think there are so many different types of horror films the norm for horror changes so often that if what is out right now is not your cup of tea like in a couple of years the norm will shift and there'll be something that might be appealing to you like for me i know I don't remember exactly the years they all came out, but like when I was young, Saw was the big horror thing. And I was just, I was too young to be able to watch those films. I still, I still sometimes watch them and I'm like, yikes. (laughs) And I guess this is probably around the same time, but like, I remember like the, the J horror remake craze, which were mostly terrible movies, but like, 
they were all like a little more teen friendly and that was kind of my jumping off point of like into horror and now i'm sure it's like you know there's really gory stuff like hereditary which might not be for everybody but i think get out probably was a great door opener for a lot of people into horror because it's it's not the goriest thing like it's it's easy to watch yeah, uh, I think a, a good a good way to tell if something would be a good introduction to horror is if there's a debate about if it's a horror movie or not, <laughs> and yes. uh, that definitely <laughs> happened with Get Out. Yeah, and it's just funny because those conversations always end up being about films that are like dealing with deeper themes in a more explicit way, as if mm-hmm. like a horror film can't deal right. with those things, but they all do. I mean, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street have a lot of like weird stuff going on in the subtext. You just have to like read it find an academic paper on them and, and read a little bit, which I did a lot of in high school. <laughs> right. So you mentioned that uh, your your entryway was kind of teen-friendly uh, horror. And uh, on that note, I think it's time that we start talking about the greatest horror movie ever made, uh, The Faculty. I think it's the best horror movie ever made. Um, and to give you a little synopsis for people who are not super familiar with the movie – it takes place in Harrington, Ohio, a, uh, a small town, uh, and the high school there. And um, uh, there's a group of teenagers who start to suspect that their teachers are being taken over by aliens. And uh, it, it's about them investigating this and uh, trying to fend off the alien invasion that uh, may or may not be happening. And uh, this movie came out in 1998 right in the right in the thick of the kind of teen horror uh craze and you know it's it really kind of sits in the middle there in a way that i think it gets overlooked a little bit Mm -hmm. um especially because its writer uh is the his name is kevin williamson and he is the writer of uh such other teen horror classics as Scream, and I know you did last summer, which um, are right around the same time period. Yeah, they're like, it's like a real like one, two, three hit movies, essentially. Like the faculty for a movie that I don't think is remembered that well, like it did okay at the box office, which I think is, he was just all the rage. And then also at the time he was the writing in Dawson's Creek, which is one of the the big 90s TV shows. So not only was it written by this guy who's a powerhouse in the late 90s, uh, it was also directed by Robert Rodriguez, famed for such films as Sin City, From Dusk Till Dawn, uh, Spy Kids, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the recent Alita Battle Angel. And it's really interesting the way that Robert Rodriguez clearly uh, is very much into horror, but his the way that he makes movies that his kids can go see, that I know that's why he did Spy Kids, is because he wanted stuff for his kids. He really kind of takes horror in a direction that uh, is, is really interesting to me in making it sort of family-friendly, but still having, you know, there, it's not, there is still an edge to it. It still definitely has some moments in it that are pretty, pretty frightening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's something that Robert Rodriguez does really well. Yeah, he's a fascinating filmmaker. I don't love all of his movies, like, and quite a few of them, I think, have aged somewhat poorly. Yeah. Um, even certain, certain elements of this movie have <laughs> aged a little, a little poorly. We can get into that. But I think he he's just very interesting and i'm always fascinated to see what he does next even if i don't always like care to see it and yeah that's yeah. the thing you know it'll be unique at least yeah and i mean 
his stamp is definitely on this, even though Kevin Williamson, it very much feels like a Kevin Williamson movie if you're familiar with his writing. But there's the Rodriguez, like, B-movie feel to it, which is a lot of fun. And he's a great filmmaker, I think, all around. Like, I will forever go to bat for this and for From Dusk Till Dawn and... um, even honestly, I'm part of like the elite of Battle Angel Hive. Like, <laughs> I, I'm I'm very much a fan of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed it too, and I hope it gets a sequel. Um, you know, I I think that uh, Cliffhanger really got me. <laughs> I was, I was like, just oh, on man. a plane, and like ten people on the plane were watching it, and I was like, see, everybody's <laughs> gonna discover this movie eventually, and we'll get the sequel. I want the Moon War. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm very much hoping for that. So in addition to Robert Rodriguez, uh, I mean, we got to talk about this cast because it is just absolutely stacked. But I I was looking at uh, a a specific billing that related to screen time. And just to give you an idea of how uh, impressive this cast is, (laughs) Selma Hayek is 14th billed. This movie's cast is nuts. And it's the sort of thing that like when I first saw it, a lot of the people in it were like either much more famous than they were at the time this came out or much less famous. So it was like really interesting to watch. But even today, I mean, just the career trajectories of a lot of these people are kind of crazy. I always forget ushers in this movie. Yeah. That is like, that is, I've watched this movie, I think maybe like, 20 25 times in my life and i genuinely forget every single time ushers in it and whenever i see him on screen i'm just like holy shit and he was probably like just starting his career on that time and like would only become more famous yeah it's it's crazy it's like between this and um she's all that like he did these two movies and then was just like all right i'm done with this (laughs) just like okay usher um one other thing I think is really interesting, and, and I'll, I'll kind of rattle off a few of these names, but uh, one thing that I thought was really cool is that a lot of these actors um, are, you know, pretty pretty big names in terms of horror, or at least have some kind of uh, some bona fides for their horror history, or would go on to do more horror. One of the main characters is played by Josh Hartnett, who was fresh off Halloween H2O. Jordana Brewster is, uh, this is her first film credit, and she would go on to uh, be in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I believe she's in the prequel. You have Piper Laurie, who's famous for being uh, not only in Twin Peaks, but for being the mother in Carrie, which is really great. Selma Hayek, who I already mentioned, is she's in From Dusk Till Dawn, again, with Robert Rodriguez. Elijah Wood is in this, and he <laughs> does a lot of horror stuff now, including Creep. You know, you have Robert Patrick, who played uh, the, T- the T-1000 in Terminator 2, which I would be willing to argue has horror elements to it. Um, it's really crazy to just every time a new scene starts to be like, oh, there's another insanely famous person. John Stewart is in it, although he's not exactly what I would call uh, a horror actor, is doing a real performance in this movie. He's definitely giving it his his best. Yeah, it's just a really uh, crazy cast. I also think it's interesting. Clay Duvall is in this film, and mm-hmm. she ha- her career has evolved in a really fascinating way. Um, she didn't really act that much after the 90s like i mean she's been in a few things she was in heroes for people that were obsessed with that show like i was 
And in the 90s, I can't remember if it's before or after the faculty. It might have been like the same year. She's in But I'm a Cheerleader, like the really famous beer teen comedy. That's a must watch for anybody. Anybody who hasn't seen But I'm a Cheerleader, stop listening to me right now and go watch But I'm a Cheerleader. <laughs> but now she's become this really like major figure in the in queer film. She's directing and I think writing the first ever major Hollywood film that will romantic comedy they'll be about a lesbian couple with Kristen Stewart and um what's her name um uh, Mackenzie Davis I think um and that's yeah that's coming out in 2020 so like her career hasn't evolved in the way that like many of these actors have but Mm. like it's become something very interesting so like basically everybody in this film for the most part, has gone on to do something interesting. And I think that's kind of fascinating. Except for one actor whose name I can't even remember. It's Laura. Uh, which which character was it? The new girl. What is, um, what oh, is... yes. Uh, her name is Laura Harris. Uh, and the, the character's name is Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. But um, I've never seen an actress in anything else. And that kind of makes the performance even better <laughs> in my mind. It, like, it really does. She she really is great in this movie. Uh, we're going to get into spoilers. So uh, let me just say that when it's revealed that she is the queen alien, (laughs) I almost fell off my couch. (laughs) It's a great twist. And I mean, it sort of has to break its own rules to make that twist get delivered. But I I don't even care. The reveal is so good that it's like, I I don't mind that it is like playing around with the rules in order to have that happen. Yeah. Oh, man. And it was funny, too, because I was so smug. I was feeling so good when Jordana Brewster um, at one point in order to determine who the aliens might be or to test their own uh, their their all trustworthiness. They kind of do an adaptation of the blood test from the Mm -hmm. thing and they all have to to take this diuretic drug that uh, would dry out and kill the aliens. Um, and, and so they're all taking this drug to see who among them is an alien, if anyone. And Jordana Brewster's character starts getting really defensive and accusing people like, well, how do we know it's not them? And in my head, I was like, she's an alien. <laughs> and, and lo and behold, it turns out that she, in fact, has been infected. And I, I was like, oh, man, this movie, like, I can't believe I called it, you know, I'm, I'm so good. And then mere mere minutes later, <laughs> they're, they're pulling twist after twist that is truly uh, just blowing me away in a way that it's hard to pull off in horror movies, I think, that – because there's there is such a wide variety of people who go see it, I feel like a lot of horror movies, especially ones with twists, uh, either obfuscate it so much that it's almost impossible to see it coming, even if you are paying very close attention, or it's so on the nose that like everyone and their mother could see it coming. So I think that that's really part of what makes this movie fantastic is that it has these twists that keep you guessing, but they're not they're not so obvious that you're you're like all right i see this coming a mile away but they're also like there are hints here and there of uh, you know who might be or who might not be an alien and i think that that's that's a pretty unique thing yeah it's this it's like this is kevin williamson in general he does a lot of the same things in the screen kevin williamson you can tell is someone who is really passionate about movies mm-hmm. and i just think he knows exactly what 
he would want as an audience member and is able to give that to audience members watching his movies. Scream, which is in many ways the reason that I saw The Faculty, because I loved Scream so much as a, as a teenager, plays so much with audience expectations. It became like famous for that. Like it is, it is famous for how it deconstructs slashers. And this yeah. film, I think... Um, is paying tribute to a lot of great horror, great sci-fi horror films, like you mentioned, The Thing, but is also like lovingly mesh, meshing all these different um, cliches together and like mm-hmm. playing with the tropes, and it's a lot of fun. And also just throwing in like a Breakfast Club quasi yeah, remake exactly. along with the along with it all. It's like it is a real treat for people who love movies. I think, and that every twist, it's like not the most surprising thing, like you said, but it is. You're so invested in all where it like you feel the surprise you're supposed to feel. Yeah, and and, and I definitely agree with that comparison to the Breakfast Club, which I think is uh, another uh, tally in in the pro column for this uh, for this movie, <laughs> because I I really like the way that the cast and the actors really have to kind of come together. Um, they're they're in pairs sort of that kind of meet up and become friendly or have to work together and kind of seeing these individual groups within the larger group and the way that the group dynamics have to shift to accommodate these groups, I think is really interesting. And, and that kind of aspect of uh, familiarity with these tropes, you know, not just from movies like the breakfast club, but with your, your time in high school with people who are actually these stereotypes um (laughs) it's really interesting and he he does a great job and i think you're absolutely right that kevin williamson he's kind of approaching it from an audience perspective and i think that's a a really really nice point yeah and like you mentioned with just the tropes of what you see in high school i what i love about this movie and what i think resonated with me so much when i saw it as a middle like late middle schooler which is the first time i saw it was like similar to the breakfast club it takes the fears and thoughts of high schoolers seriously. Like it's not like talking down to them. And, you know, you have like Jordana Brewster playing like the popular mean girl for lack of a better word, but like she's given more dimension and she's allowed to be in many ways correct about a lot of things. And like, you, you don't, you don't hate her ever really, except for when she is possessed by an alien. And then the the Josh Hartnett character, who's like supposed to be like the bad boy drug dealer is given some fun, interesting dimensions to himself. And like, It's he's, just, he's like a really like smart guy and and mm-hmm. joins the football team at the end like yeah like and then the jock becomes like a nerd and it's just mm-hmm. like it's really it's a very sweet movie that takes takes the teenage character seriously and i think that's something that just doesn't happen that often even today even though it's like it's always proven to be the formula that helps a teen movie like become a classic so i yeah. it's it's very nice. I think that is what makes the film hold up the best. Just like you love these characters. Yeah, I I can't disagree. I'm curious, Matt. So we've talked about now uh, their their approach to the high schoolers. I'm curious what you think about the aliens themselves. You know, they're they're these sort of fishy tadpole-y, uh creatures that slide into your ear, and they have these gross tendrils. Um, what, where you you like this as a concept? Do you think that it's kind of lame? Um, it's funny because when I started watching this movie, I was for the first time, I was still like getting used to horror as um like a genre. Like I had mm-hmm. worked my way through first the non-violent horror movies that are easy to stomach, and then I remember watching Scream, 
And that movie really was jarring for me, but like, cause it's so gory, but I loved it too much to let it bother <laughs> me. And this movie is really gross. <laughs> and yeah. like, I still think it's pretty gross in like, a, yeah. like the special effects themselves, like the aliens look very fake and they look very nineties, but you know, there's the great scene where two of the teachers like hold one of the teachers down and the thing goes into her ear and everything. And that scene grossed me out so much as a kid. And then same with um the scene that probably sticks out to me the most and is like the part that scared me the most as a kid was when Sean Hattosi's character, the jock, is in the shower and the nurse comes in and is oh, like yeah. melting in a way. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's so disturbing to me. And that scene is like burnt in my brain. And I remember to this day, this is again, embarrassing things to be confessing on a podcast. And that when that scene started, I was like, oh, Sean Hattosi's in a shower. He's really hot. And then, <laughs> like, it just took a turn. I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> like, what is, what is this this deeply this disturbing movie? But, you know, I think it's a, it's a really great alien, like, design. Like, it's it's scary. It's gory. Um, it probably is a little bit too heavy on, on CGI, but what movie doesn't anymore? Sure. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, I just I just think it works. It's, it's a memorable at least in my mind, a memorable creature. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, it's funny that you named two really memorable scenes and I'm going to say another one. The scene that really stuck out to me was when they're um, attacking slash being attacked by John Stewart, who is uh, uh, their uh, mm-hmm. science teacher. So he is sort of de facto in charge of keeping an eye on this alien specimen that they've discovered. He gets infected and at one point, like two of his fingers get chopped off and the tent, the tendrils of the alien are still like where the fingers would be. They're just like, they look like nerves just hanging out of his hand. And it really like freaked me out. <laughs> and it's so funny watching that scene and knowing what John Stewart would go on to become. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it feels like a weird secret that this, like that he's in this movie and everything. Yeah. I yeah. also think um, the great Famke Johnson getting her, um, getting decapitated, but then having her head <laughs> still walk around on like oh, yeah. tentacles. That part grossed me out so much, but it is such a great visual and it looks dated, but it's still really funny. Like, yeah, just watch the head. Uh, reminded me a lot of Reanimator. I've never seen Reanimator, but I know what you mean. I recommend it's it. Great and gross. Yeah, I had to. I had to watch. It is great. Uh, I. One other thing that uh, I wanted to mention about the aliens is that um, as a kid, I was really big into the Animorphs, <laughs> uh, and huh? the the aliens in this really reminded me of the villains of the Animorph series uh, <laughs> called the Yerks. And they also were aliens that controlled people by kind of slithering in through their ear and and kind of doing this slow pod people takeover. And I feel like without the actual animal transformation, this sort of feels to me like an Animorphs movie. And I'm (laughs) pretty okay with that because I've been saying for a little bit now that – I think that that should be HBO's next prestige drama would be a, like a, a, a more adult version of the Animorphs. But but I think that this uh, this may have sated that, that and I, I feel OK with it now. I'm sort of shocked there hasn't been an Animorphs like series of some kinds like yeah. 
that I've never read them actually. I was a Goosebumps kid, weirdly enough, even though mm. I was terrified. But um, I think that was what made me like them. I was like sh- excited to be so scared. But yeah. um, but Animorphs, um, yeah. Well, there is, wasn't even a show in the '90s with that. That's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anything for it. But uh, look, hey HBO, if you're listening, call me. Yeah. <laughs> They, they need um, intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Animorphs is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, now that people aren't watching Game of Thrones, they need something new. So so earlier you mentioned that there were some aspects that uh, you didn't think aged necessarily very well. I think that one of those things, in my opinion, and you can tell me if you feel similarly, is that one of the characters is uh, pretending to be a lesbian – simply to drive people away um you know it's there's a lot of homophobia in the the movie not just in terms of like name calling but just the way that people act towards uh this character she's very much shunned uh people who shun the new uh the new student mary beth louise hutchinson um when she attempts to befriend this character who is pretending to be a lesbian and and to me it just it feels very 90s in a way that's not good and uh and i'm wondering if if you feel similarly yeah it's it's that was what i was one of the things i was thinking about it's it's a weird subplot and it's the sort of thing like Kevin Williamson is gay, and um, Clay Duvall, who plays the character who's pretending to be um, a lesbian, is a lesbian in real life. Right. So I think the two of them are coming at it from a place of, like, genuine emotion. Like, I don't think, obviously, there's any, like, ill will in their intention in the performance. It is just, like you said, a very 90s way of treating that subplot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, especially having it be that, like, she's secretly in love with, like, the jock. (laughs) And it's it's the sort of thing, if it was made today, I like to think that the character would just be a lesbian. Right. (laughs) And, like, that would be that. But it's the sort of thing, like, compared to some movies from the 90s, it's not unwatchable. In Like, that subplot is not terrible in the way it's depicted, but sure. it is very much a, pr- a product of its time. <laughs> and yeah. just, like, it feels a, li- a little silly. Mm-hmm. Her plan is needlessly complicated, <laughs> and just, it, it does not make sense. I don't think anyone in their life has ever pretended to be gay to be ignored in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there are easier ways that... Uh, that- you know, are not uh, as as pretending to be an entirely different person from who you are. Yes. <laughs> you said that was one of the things. Did you think that there were other other aspects that uh, don't hold up as well? Yeah, the big one that I forgot about until I started watching um, parts of this movie to get ready for this is the sexual tension between Funka Jensen and Josh Hartnett, where she's his <laughs> teacher. Yes. And the end of the movie implies that they are seeing each other. <laughs> Yeah. And it's the sort of thing, again, it's like very 90s. Like, I will sometimes go back and watch a TV show, even from the 2000s, and forget how much, like, we were okay with, like, just 15, 10 years ago. And, like, I'm rewatching some of Veronica Mars, and I fully forgot that her character dates an adult man at one point, and the show, <laughs> the show does not act as if it's weird. But, um,. <laughs> This movie, it's it's just, it's funny. And again, it's not even depicted in a way that's predatory or strange. Mm -hmm. And if anything, he's like predatory towards her. But um, 
it is just the sort of thing where you watch right now and you're like, oof, like this this would never fly today. <laughs> yeah, I I also think it's funny uh, related to that subplot that they're like, oh, he got held back a year, so he is for sure over eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to add. That's always what they add in whenever they have like a teacher-student flirtation. It's like he was held back a year. Yeah, um, he's more older and more mature. Yeah, it's it's very very strange and just one of the weirder moments in the film that I fully forgot about. Like I remember, always remember Stokely pretending to be a lesbian. I fully forgot about sexual tension between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, but, it, it um, is for it is pretty bizarre for sure. Yeah, and then also just something that I find really fascinating. I remember um, this is going years back. IMDb used to have a forum section on their site, and I used to go on there all the time in middle school and high school. I forgot when they got rid of them, but I used to. That was my first real exposure into like the film community before Twitter. And um, I I remember remember, those days. I know it. It feels like. (laughs) <laughs> like ancient history but i remember on the faculty's forum which i would visit somewhat frequently and was like weirdly active for for a movie that was not necessarily well regarded um or w- well remembered um they like there was a conversation when i was in like middle school or high school on the forum about if they were to remake this today who would they who would you cast in it and i love conversations like that i think about shit like that all the time yeah but um it was funny because as I thought about it, I just got to thinking like this movie has so much school violence in it where I'm like, I don't think you would make it today. Like it's like I think so much yeah. changed a year after the movie came out with school shootings and just like conversations around school violence that movies like this took like a different tone. And I do think, you know, obviously this is not the movie's the movie's fault in any way, but some of those scenes you watch now and you you can't help but be reminded of stories you hear in the news about about like school violence in schools. So it is the sort yeah. of thing I'm like, if this was done today, I feel like it would be done differently. And remember just I think it was last year, the Heathers TV show that they did they just kept delaying. Oh and yeah. like never aired. Like it's like I just think we have a different mindset for violence in schools now and i just as much as i love this movie it is something that i think about sometimes when i when i watch it and um like the, it's not the movie's fault it dates itself but like right. it is the sort of thing it's impossible to dissociate the two now which is sad but more sad towards america and not sad towards <laughs> yes absolutely one other thing that i did want to discuss was uh the poster for this movie oh, which yes is you know it gets a lot of a lot of those famous faces on there although they were not necessarily the famous faces at the time they are famous now josh hartnett is right up front then jordana brewster third closest to the front despite being in the movie for maybe five minutes and having probably like 10 or 15 lines usher (laughs) well that makes sense at least but it is just like he was probably one of the more famous ones in it but uh, yeah. yeah I don't remember him talking in the movie. Like <laughs> that, I don't remember any of his dialogue. I just remember his presence being there. <laughs> yeah. The the only thing I really remember him saying was at the very end, uh, he's like, "You're not mad that I'm the captain now, are you?" <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's funny. I feel like not that he's a great actor or anything like that, but like he could have played the jock part. I'm surprised they didn't just have him play that. Like who was. Yeah. Sean Haddosey at the time where like they were like it's not Usher's time it's this dude <laughs> <laughs> this talk him up and the whole time I'm like I I don't know guys <laughs> but uh, yeah it's funny like even as like 
a middle schooler who was very happy that he was taking off a shirt in a movie. I was like, <laughs> he doesn't even look like a football player. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, why is why is he their star? But yeah. it's it's funny, and he, I mean, he's fine in the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. But no, Usher, yeah, <laughs> I I remember him on the poster and. I was really obsessed with this movie and bought the soundtrack. And, like, he's front and center on the soundtrack, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And then way in the back, sort of separate from everybody else, is Laura Harris, who plays Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, the aforementioned alien queen. And I think that that's really interesting that she is sort of separated the group in a way that when you look at it going into the movie doesn't necessarily mean anything to you, but coming out, and looking at it with the context of the movie uh, is like kind of a really interesting little nod to the way that the movie is going to shake out. Yeah, and I can't tell you like what the process of the producers was at the time when they cast her, but like I have to feel like they thought she would be the big breakout from the movie, which is kind of funny. Clearly, there was a lot of faith in her performance, performance in it, and she's good, but just yeah. I don't know, something didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And then there is the slogan on December 25th, school's out forever, which is just delightful. (laughs) That was in the trailer, too. Like, they play that song. And I'm trying to think. I think there's a cover of the song on the soundtrack. I wish I still had my soundtrack to to confirm, but I think there's a pop rock cover. There is a Soul Asylum cover of it, I believe. (laughs) There's a lot of that was that soundtrack was such like a like I don't think in the case of the sitters are not aware I was obsessed with this movie in middle school I, if there was merch for it like I would buy it and no one would understand what it was from <laughs> but like for me this movie was a very big deal yeah <laughs> and like yeah that soundtrack I listened to it so much there's an Oasis song on it that I can still sing by heart <laughs> nice and uh, of course the movie opens up with uh, the kids aren't all right by the Offspring which is in my opinion a great song <laughs> the offspring are great i i have done pretty fly for a white guy on multiple occasions <laughs> at um karaoke <laughs> nice nice so kind of uh, we're kind of coming to the end here matt in my opinion this is the best horror movie of all time uh <laughs> because it a diagram of so many movies that we've talked about and right in the middle is the faculty you know it's got uh it's got the thing it's got uh, uh, Breakfast Club. It, it really has so many classic horror movies and and other in case in terms of the Breakfast Club uh, that kind of pulling these influences, distilling them and making it all still make sense and work and have these homages that are noticeable but not distracting. It, it, it's so hard to pull off. And the fact that they did it for this movie, I mean, to me, that's a clear reason why it's the best horror movie of all time. Uh, why why do you think it's the best horror movie, Matt? Um, to go off the your point about it, I think what why I think it's the best horror movie of all time is because I know when I first saw it in middle school, I was like this young wannabe film nerd who was obsessively looking online for whatever movies the internet told me to watch that were important. And I think this movie is a really good gateway into those movies for the sci-fi and horror. Like I know I saw the thing because I saw this movie and I just think movies like this that serve as like these jumping off points for younger film people. I I love that. And I think that is something that is very important. We got to We got to We have to teach the children. (laughs) Exactly. Look, you can't, 
can't keep horror going without bringing new people into the flock. Exactly. So. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining us today and for uh, bringing this uh, wonderful movie to all of our attentions. Uh, is there anything that you would like to plug, places that people can find you online? Yeah, um, I'm at the Pop Break along with George. We're covering um, a bunch of different TV shows from the summer, Big Little Lies, Stranger Things, Soon Glow, and you can just find all that on, on thepopbreak.com. You can follow me on Twitter at MattNMFU1, and you can find me on Letterboxd at MattT. Great. I am also on Twitter at GergHef, that's G-E-R-G-H-E-F. And I'm also on Letterboxd at, uh, that's George Hef, G-E-O-R-G-E-H-E-F. And uh, you can follow along with this podcast. We're keeping track of all the movies that we talk about on here. Uh, we're doing reviews, ratings. Uh, come join the conversation. Talk to me on Twitter and on Letterboxd about what you think about these movies. And, uh, and yeah, thanks again, Matt. Uh, it's been great talking to you. And thanks to everybody for listening. Bye.